Live from the capital of Raider Nation, Las Vegas, Nevada, it's Silver and Black Today. Your daily dose of all things Las Vegas Raiders football. News, views, guests, and your phone calls are all part of the game plan. There's only one nation, and it listens here. Now your host, Scott Colbranson. Welcome back. Silver and Black Today, powered by our good friends Sam and Ash. The Injury Attorneys, 702-820-1234, because you deserve what's right. Scott Branson back with you today here on the show. Lots to get to, lots of NFL news today. A Raiders free agent signing. We'll get to that in a second. First, I bring in my co-host today, the uh, host of the very popular Just Pod Baby podcast, which you can get anywhere where you sign up your podcast. If you don't already subscribe to it, make sure you do. Part of the Silver and Black Today Media Group family here. Uh, and that is, of course, Mr. Evan Grote. Evan, uh, 25 degrees, you tell me it's up there uh, near Buffalo. Uh, it, it, that was You guys had warmer temperatures than Texas this past week. Uh, are you expecting a big snow, too? I know the Northeast is going to get hammered this weekend, I think. Yeah, you know, I, I haven't checked the forecast. You know, it, it just, I always, I expect snow <laughs> used all the to time. It. So, yeah, exactly. It's like, you know what, it, it, it's snowing right now, but nothing hard. But yeah, I mean, at 25 degrees today, it's actually been a little bit warmer today than it's been uh, the past couple of weeks. It's been, it's been frigid up here, and we, we got a lot of snow uh, just a couple of days ago. I got about 10 inches of snow overnight. So, we're always prepared for it here. Yeah, you get like almost 100 inches up there a year. I'm, I, I think I average 90-something or whatever. So, yeah, you guys are like, yeah, so what? We got snow. Uh, again, our thoughts and prayers out to the folks in Texas, including our own Q Myers, who's been impacted by all of this. Um, lots of folks in Raider Nation down in Texas and other parts of the country that have been going through this crazy week, and um, they're not hopping on a plane to Cancun or any of that stuff. But um, certainly we're, we're thinking about all of you out there and hopefully at least listening to some Raider talk uh, will brighten your day a bit. Uh, breaking news at this hour, the Raiders have made a defensive line free agent signing. Dum, dum, dum. No, it's not Leonard Williams. No, it's not any of those big names. It's David Irving. Of course, David Irving, uh, the six foot seven, 290 pound defensive lineman and uh, originally a Kansas City Chief, played with the Cowboys for four seasons. If you remember, the Raiders signed him to a practice squad deal. He sat out a year due to the league's marijuana stance, which obviously went away with the last CBA. They're not even testing for it anymore. Uh, David Irving came in, never really had a chance, I don't think, to get into the lineup for the Raiders, but they sign him. And Evan, yes, it's not the big splash signing Raider fans are waiting for, but I think uh, taking a flyer, as you put it, on him early on and, and getting him in there, especially when they have only one interior defensive lineman under contract right now, and that, of course, is Mo Hurst. But I think this is a good move, and hopefully they can get something out of David Irving within Gus Bradley's new defensive scheme. Yeah, a lot of people were excited when they went out and signed him uh, last year. And as you mentioned, we were talking about it before we came on air. We never really got a chance to see anything from him. He only played in, it looks like, two appearances here, um, was on the practice squad. And and so hopefully now that he'll have a, a full off season to uh, be with the team. Um, he's still only 27 years old, and he's got a lot of upside. So as, as you said, I, I have no problem with them taking a flyer on a guy like this. I'm sure it's a very team-friendly contract, and, and they need some bodies because as as you, as you mentioned, Maurice Hurst is the only guy they have right now on the interior part of the defensive line that's under contract. So they need to get some bodies in there, and they need to try to find some productive players, but uh, with the, the team-friendly cap number. Because uh, as we'll get into a little bit later on the show, uh, the, the the cap situation is, is real tight right now with this team. It is, and uh, 27 years old, as you mentioned. I mean, I think I think this guy's got huge upside. You know, I'm not saying Raider Nation should get overly excited yet because he's got to prove it uh, once they get into camp. Hopefully, they have a full camp and they can do that. And so, but but I do think. It's a good signing. Like you said, it's going to come very cheaply for them. And uh, he's been in the building, so to speak, for almost a year. Um, and Well, not quite a year, but at least a whole season. So he's gotten familiar with Las Vegas. He's gotten familiar with the Raiders organization, John Gruden. Of course, he's got a coaching change, uh, but Rod Marinelli sticks around. So he's already familiar with him. And then Gus Bradley and his new staff there with that, that cover three scheme, that easier, if you will, scheme in the 4-3. Uh, we'll see how David Irving does, but I think it's a good move. 
move. Uh, you got to get some bodies in there. Uh, and, and clearly the Raiders are not done yet when it comes to addressing the massive need they have on the interior of the defensive line as well as other places. You mentioned the salary cap, Evan. Today we know from the NFL that the salary cap will not be below $180 million. Other reports are pegging it closer to $185 million. Uh, and the Raiders, uh, they're in a situation where they're at about $220. I think that's what we looked at earlier. Uh, and so, so the Raiders have work to do. If you look at what the Raiders have uh, signed up for 2021, the cap total right now, they're over uh, by about $13 million. So, so they, they got to figure it out, and they're going to have to make some tough choices. And we've talked about those choices here before, Evan, uh, of course, on Trent Brown. We already know Tyrell Williams is in the past. He's gone. They're going to get some money there. Then you got the Marcus Mariota, uh, $10.6 million hanging out there. You have a LaMarcus Joyner. And so this team, uh, they have to do a lot to just get down to the limit, let alone find money to be able to pay free agents coming in. Yeah, I believe the number, I have some notes here. I was, I was doing a little research before we got on. 201, they're at, 201 million. So they're about $21 million ah. over the cap right now. Um, uh, which is the fifth most in the NFL right now. I didn't realize that. They, they're they're in a compared to the rest of the league. They're they're in a pretty tough spot as far as the cap goes. And there's 15 teams right now that are currently over the cap. So this is affecting a lot of teams. This this dramatic decrease in the cap. It's not only affecting the Raiders. It's affecting almost half half the league. So um, they're going to have to shave about 21 million, as you said, just to get to that 180 million dollar mark. And and you hit on a lot of the big ones: Tyrell Williams, Lamarcus Joyner, Mariota. And I've been a guy who is who has been pretty. I've been on the the Trent Brown uh, in the Trent Brown camp, but when I take a deeper look at these numbers and these figures, and now that we have that that 180 number to kind of work with, I don't think he survives that 14 million dollars. They're going to have to spend that elsewhere, and uh, you know a couple other names that I, I want to throw out there to you, Scott, and let me know what you think about a couple of these guys because I was taking a deep look. Uh, I know that Richie Incognito is a name who's been mentioned before. 5.475 million that he could save them uh, if, if he was released. But I want to ask you about Carl Nassib. Um, and, mm-hmm. and you know the reason why I bring up Carl Nassib is because I was like he was a guy who I was excited about when they brought him in uh, last year. He was coming off two of his more productive seasons, but really was a, a big disappointment and was a healthy scratch at, at, at certain points in the in the season last year. His situation's a little bit trickier because he does come with some dead cap money, five point seven five million in dead cap, but he yeah. would still save them three point seven five. I know it's not a whole lot of money, but I mean. They're going to be looking to pinch pennies here to to be able to go out and sign some impact guys. And then the other name I want to mention to you is Jalen Richard. And, you know, I really like Richard. I think he's a good player. I think it's a great story, uh, you know, being undrafted and whatnot and then getting that that deal with the Raiders. But, you know, he, we, we've really seen his playing time and his level of production really drop off since they've drafted uh, Josh Jacobs. I mean, last year he only caught 19 19 balls in the season before that 36 and his primary role is as the third down back. So I just don't know if $3.5 million is, is uh, getting your, you know, your money's worth from a guy who doesn't play a whole lot of snaps and is only catching 19 passes. So those are two guys that I have written down here that may also be uh, cap casualties here in the next, next few weeks. Yeah, and you look at you look at the the players and the cap hit, not just dead cap, but just overall cap hit. You have Derek Carr leading the team. Obviously, your quarterback is usually going to do that. That's twenty two point one million from a cap hit perspective. That's almost twelve percent of the team's entire salary cap. Then you have Trent Brown at fourteen. You have Corey Littleton at thirteen seven. Rodney Hudson at thirteen point six. We we all agree. I don't think Rodney Hudson's going anywhere. But then you have Terrell Williams eleven six. He's gone. Then you save there. Joiner's another eleven. So that's almost that's almost. 23 million there. Mariota, 10.7. So now that's up to 33 million. Then you have Gabe Jackson. You know, that's a tough one, too. I I like Gabe Jackson. Um, I I don't think he's going to go anywhere, but that's almost $10 million. And then you mentioned the Nassib at 9.5 million with the 5.7 dead cap. And then Cleve Furrow at almost nine uh, following that. And and you mentioned the Richie Incognito near five and a half million. So yeah, the Raiders have a lot of tough choices to make. I, I really believe that. And it's not that easy 
I mean, yeah, the Trent Brown is easy. Uh, the Terrell Williams, LaMarcus Joyner, and Mariota, I think those are the guys. If you can move Mariota, if not, you just got to release him. You get nothing for him, but at least you get that $10 million. So I don't see any of those guys coming back. The Trent Brown situation, though, is going to be interesting. I, I just don't know uh, what they're going to do there and, and if they're going to keep them and, and if they can. And I think to your point about 15 teams being over this new 180 to $185 million uh, salary cap is, is you're going to see some big names hit the market, too. And so that's great on one side of it, but how are the Raiders, if they, if a big name hits the market, let's say on the defensive side, how are they going to go get that guy uh, and balance this all out? Now you have obviously some key players for the Raiders that are that are great, great bargains. Darren Waller at six point three million, it's almost six point four. Colton Miller's only four, uh, and then you talk about Jalen Rashard, and I like Rashard too. But J- Jalen Rashard next year is is uh, three and a half million. Josh Jacobs is is just under that. Although Jacobs has a seven million uh, dead cap hit as well, and then you have Jeff Heath three point one million. So uh, you know that's why I think they got to get younger at safety, or they got to go get a veteran safety that can come in and either play for about that three million dollars, or you structure a deal where uh, you give them a big bonus. Uh, with a lesser contract so that uh, that they can fit it under the cap. But there's there's a lot of work to be done. We're going to talk to Vinny Bonsignor later in the show as we do every day and ask him a little bit about it. And then on tomorrow's show, we're going to get deep into the salary cap uh, with an expert on it. That's Eric Edelman of Yahoo Sports tomorrow at 3 o'clock. He's going to give us kind of what we all need to know about the cap because it, it's it's a problem uh, and it's not just as easy as cutting Trent Brown, Marcus Mariota, and Tyrell Williams and Mar- Lamarcus Joyner. You know, with with 100 to 185 million, all the teams in the end. It's not just the Raiders now. Now some teams are obviously in worse shape than others, uh, but but they're. We're going to have to figure it out, so we'll see how it all goes. Uh, also, of course, we have the Carson Wentz trade today. Uh, Carson Wentz is being shipped to uh, the Colts uh, for a, uh, a third-round pick and a contingent number two that could uh, could land in the first round eventually. So the quarterback carousel, uh, it moved uh, again with, with the Stafford trade to Los Angeles, but at the same time, it kind of slowed down again. But now we have our second domino, as we've been talking about it, has fallen with Wentz now going to the Colts, which means the Bears, I think the Bears are next up. They're going to have to find a quarterback. I don't know. Maybe that's maybe that's a spot um, for Marcus Mariota. Who knows? But I do think that you're going to start to see a lot more movement as we get into next week and the following couple weeks leading up to the NFL's new year. All right, we're going right on the phone lines, and Raider 27 is first up on this Thursday on Silver and Black today. You're with Evan and Scott. What's up, Raider 27? Hey, guys, how you doing? Good, brother. My NFL Game Pass working today. I had to reset my whole Roku system. So, (laughs) hey, Evan, you know what? I listened to your podcast I listen to them as I go to sleep, so I, I catch most of it. <laughs> I hope I don't put you to sleep. <laughs> no, 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 it's not that. You know, um, I've I've had issues going to sleep for years, and I was really grateful to find something to ease. You know, anyway, that's I didn't want to insult you or anything like that. But I, <laughs> no, I just no, I love your podcast. I listen to them. Thank you very um, much. I wanted to talk about uh, uh, team building, which is a good thing. You know, I read on Twitter, this is really easy. You just cut this guy, this guy, this guy. Then you just go sign everybody you want. So I don't know what the big deal is. You know, but um, I'm glad I don't have to do it because this is hard. You've got choices you got to make, and these are young men that you like. And you're going to have to cut some guys. And the thing about about it is, is we were on the kind of wrong end of the salary cap deal there for a few years. We were way ahead. We had so much cap space, it was silly. And then we got better players, and we kept our own players, and we drafted better players and paid them. And then now we're not so much when catastrophe hit, and now there's going to be a lot of really, really good players. So I don't think I don't think we want to jump out there and say, oh, I'm going to sign somebody right off the bat. I think we'd be money ahead just to kind of wait and hold on and see who's available. And yeah, Ra- have to make I mean, Raider 27, 
you bring up a good point because, I mean, that's one thing that uh, during his tenure, Reggie McKenzie and the Raider organization really got on top of was uh, getting the salary cap uh, under control. And those same guys that did that with Reggie McKenzie, by the way, are still in the building. So they haven't left. So, so I think there's going to be opportunity here. Uh, to and your point is well taken. I think there's going to be opportunity. I mean, the Trent Brown thing. It's easy to say cut is 14 million, but if you can restructure that deal, if they believe that he's coming back uh, and that he can be committed to this team and ready to play football again, then maybe you restructure that so so you could cut it in half or something for this year, so that you save some money, you give him a nice big signing bonus. And I know that rubs a lot of Raider Nation the wrong way because the guy hasn't been on the field. He's had some issues with the the COVID bracelet and all that stuff. So fans are not real high on Trent Brown right now, but the guy has great talent. So if they can restructure that, uh, and then there's a couple other guys that you have to look at maybe restructuring. And that's why I brought up the Derek Carr um, uh, extension is you might be able to extend him and move some of that money out of this year into following years. uh, So that, and even though his number from a cap hit perspective is very low for a top 10 quarterback, but to me, there's, there's gotta be some creativity. There's gotta be some guys that they're working on. I'm sure that's exactly what they're doing. Uh, But, but you bring up a good point, which is it's not that easy. Um, And, and even if you have really good cap people in the building, there's still work to be done. And, and I, I, that's the, the concern I have with Raider Nation is I, I think they might fill a lot of these roles with guys that are good players, uh, and they might make one big splash on that defensive line, uh, but that might be all they can afford. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. Let me, I just uh, comment real quick. Um, and, and I think talking about you know the guys in the building that, that work those numbers and work those caps, I think they've, that Mayock has done a good job in his first couple of years here of structuring some of these contracts. I mean, you may disagree with the amount of money that was given to guys like Tyrell Williams or, you know, LaMarcus Joyner, but he did structure them so that there's an out there after a couple of years, which will really benefit the team right now. I mean, think about Tyrell Williams, Trent Brown, and LaMarcus Joyner. Those are all three contracts that they most likely will get out of, and they can get out of it without hardly any dead cap space money. So they've done a good job doing that. Hopefully they will continue to do a good job that here and down the road. Yeah, Raider 27, thanks for the call as always, man. We appreciate you. And that's the thing, too. That's why that's why somebody like Corey Littleton, Evan, I mean, I like Corey Littleton. I think he will bounce back. And frankly, with the cap numbers they have with him, I mean, he's he's a $19 million dead cap hit this year. Right, he's got thirteen point seven um, standard cap hit. To me, that you know, you you he's got to perform because that could end up being a nightmare contract if he doesn't find himself. But I believe he will. I, I'm not that concerned with Corey Littleton as I am with some of the other guys that are making that money. But we'll, we'll have to see uh, what happens with that. That leaves open a line for you to call in. What do you guys think? And what are the Raiders going to do about this salary cap situation now at 180 to 185 million and somewhere between 13 and 21 million over the cap? Uh, uh, as we sit today with the Raiders, depending how you look at it, 702-365-9200 is the number to get on with Scott and Evan here on Silver and Black today. But Evan, going back to the Carson Wentz trade, really interesting here too, because uh, you know Carson Wentz, we heard for a week that Carson Wentz was meant for Chicago, that he was going to go to Chicago, that they were they were offering the best deal, uh, and and Philly was standing pat on what they wanted. They wanted a, a number one, and they wanted a two, or somewhere around there. It turns out they get a two and possibly a one uh, and that's all dependent on performance and whatnot and and how how things finish up but Carson Wentz now is going to Indy which is a very good team uh, that needed a quarterback because you have the situation with Philip Rivers retiring after just one season there and Carson Wentz who who performed well until this year he had trouble I mean obviously he's had trouble staying on the field with injuries uh, but now they get a quarterback in Philly that if they can resurrect him uh, and they can do a good job which you have to believe Frank Reich who has done really really well with quarterbacks he also played um, with or excuse me coached Philip Rivers in the past and so they had good results this year and Wentz obviously being a lot younger and a lot earlier in his career than Rivers was who was really pretty much at the tail end at the very end um, but this one it, it then begs the question what are the Bears Broncos Washington football team and Patriots going to do uh, it, it, as as these guys start to move around uh, their opportunity opportunities and their choices start to dwindle. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think it's a, a, 
a good fit for Carson Wentz, first of all. Um, I think going over to Indianapolis, they're already a, they're a playoff team, and he's got some uh, you know he's familiar with the the head coach Frank Wright from over with his days with the uh, Eagles, and um, you know they got a strong offensive mm-hmm. line, a strong run game, and a very good defense. So I think as far as a fit goes, Carson Wentz has to be a, a very happy man, and I think I think the Colts you know totally robbed robbed the eagles with this one if they can rejuvenate him as you mentioned i mean this guy is only uh two years removed from a a 4,000 plus yard season 27 touchdowns only seven interceptions and and before you guys think wow aren't you getting a little uh you know maybe overdoing it Derek carr just came off a 4,000 yard season as well with 27 touchdowns and we have a lot of people you know we're pretty satisfied with that. So if they can get Wentz back to playing the type of football that he was playing in the first three or four years of his career, I think it's a steal for the Colts. So I think they've done a great job there. And as far as the, you know, the next domino piece that would fall, I think, I think you're right. I think Marcus Mariota uh, is, is the next guy. I think he's the next guy. I'm looking at a list of guys I've got written down here, uh, Darnold and Tua and Teddy Bridgewater. These are all names that we've kind of heard tossed out there in the last few weeks. But I think Mar- Marcus Mariota has got to be at the top of the list. I think that would be a good fit for him uh, with the Bears. I think that's they got a strong defense, and I think he could he, he'd fit in there nicely with that team. Yeah, and uh, a get, former guest here on the show, Jim Aiello, over at the Indianapolis Star, also reported today uh, that the Colts, a uh, league source, said the Colts were a team that checked in on Derek Carr and that the Raiders gave him a, quote, a pretty firm not available. So for any of you who are holding out hope that uh, Derek Carr will be traded, I would not, um, if you were if you were a betting person, I would not bet on that. Uh, as we all believe, Derek Carr isn't going anywhere. All right, we'll get one more call in here before the break. It is our good friend, Gangster Raider, down in Los Angeles. Gangster Raider, you're on with Scott and Evan. What's going on, buddy? Hey, what's happening? I just want to say that with the cap being what it is, if it's 180, I think we need to, first of all, see if we can get Derek Carr to restructure to an extremely team-friendly contract. Yep. Then try to see if we can do the same with um, – I think it's Rodney Harris. I mean, Jackson. Is it Gabe Jackson or Harrison? It's got the, got the lowest Gabe, contract. Gabe, Gabe Jackson? Yeah. Yeah, Gabe Jackson. Yeah. See, yeah. see if he can do the same thing, then that should be able to get us some money. Then if we get rid of Mariota, that'll cut down like 10. You know what I'm saying? I think we need to try to – if Corey Littleton doesn't restructure his deal, I think we should try to trade him and improve that position. And that'll save us at least, what, 12 or 13 more on top of that? And also, well, Corey, Corey, Lit- he, Corey Littleton's nineteen million, and he restructured his deal when he came over from the Rams. Yeah, so that's a long yeah, shot, so that's right? A, yeah, it's a definitely a long shot. I, th- I think they still, and I do too. Uh, you might disagree with me, Gangster Raider, and that's fine. But I, I think he'll bounce back in this uh, in this defense. Excuse me, with Gus Bradley, I think he'll bounce back and he'll earn that. Yeah, deal. I think so too, because I think they were just playing him in the wrong position. Him and Lamarcus. Yep. Um, it was in the wrong positions. They need to switch, you know what I'm saying? And then maybe that would have not switched, but, you know, went to their natural positions. Like, um, LaMarcus needs to be a safety. He played better at safety. And um, Corey Littleton, he needs to be like like the Mike, but the freelance Mike. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Hello? Yeah. No, I agree yeah. with you. Uh, yeah, and, and so I, I don't I think, think I don't I think, with Gus think LaMarcus Joyner will make it. I think they're going to. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think too. with Lamarcus Joyner, I, I I think they'll cut him uh, because I think they're they want to go out and they want to get an alpha dog at safety. Uh, not that Lamarcus Joyner can't play play good safety because you're right, that's his better position. But I think mm-hmm. I think they're going to turn the page on that one. But yeah, it's it's tough, Gangster Raider. They're going to have to they're going to have to free these dollars. And you're right, a Derek Carr restructure, maybe even a Rodney Hudson restructure structure i mean hey rodney hudson deserves every uh dollar he gets he's he's the best in the league but at the same time if if they want to win together and they feel like that offense is where they want it to be overall then then and that's what you do is you have you have those discussions with the agent and say hey guys we're trying to we're trying to get to a championship level caliber team here we need that offensive line so we need you guys uh to restructure him and gabe gabe's yeah go ahead who's the who's the big ticket um price player on defense and can we restructure him? Who's the highest, you know, who's the biggest cap hit on defense, that's what I say, this year coming up? And can we do something with him, whoever that is? That's that's Littleton. That's Littleton at $19 okay. million on dead cap. Uh, and then Joyner is second. Um, he's only two and a half on dead cap, but he's $11 million overall. Oh, uh, okay. 
Yeah, it's well, a tough position, man. Mm-hmm. But it's just like you say, half the league is going to be in the same position. So yep, yep. it might work to our favor because a lot of people might have to get released. And if, if we can get some team-friendly contracts from the big ticket players just for this year and then maybe pay a little bit more when the cap go back regular next year, maybe we could work it like that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. And Gangster Raider, man, as always, we appreciate you and thank you for the call. Yeah, I, I, th- I think that you can do that too with bonuses. You can give them a, a bunch of cash up front uh, so that the, the, the cap hit is lesser uh, on the back end, especially against a dead cap. All right, we're going to take a break. And then when we come back, I'm going to be joined by Nick Cothrell from silverandblacktoday.com. He put out our first mock draft, a full seven-round mock draft, uh, and some surprises on there. And and I think that uh, he did a really good job on it. I want to get what you guys think about that. So we're going to talk to Nick. And then once we're done with Nick, we want to hear what you think of this first round mock draft from silverandblacktoday.com uh, so you'll get on the phone lines and wait your turn tell me what you think 702- the autumn wind is a raider and when it blows it comes from the las vegas desert back to silver and black today here on raider nation radio 920 a.m Welcome back to Silver and Black today here on this Thursday. And of course, it is what you guys all love out there, right? Which is mock draft season. We got two months until the NFL draft. The Raiders have a lot of needs. They're going to be active in the draft, you would imagine. But there's two months to go. So yes, you're going to be stuck with all of us doing mock drafts, including you. Fans are doing them more now because of great online tools. But we at Silver and Black today and up on the website at silverandblacktoday.com, put out our first 21 seven-round full Raiders draft. Uh, That's pre-free agency, and the gentleman who wrote that is now our guest. That is Nick Cosper. He's a staff writer at silverandblacktoday.com, as well as writing on the Draft Network and elsewhere. Uh, Nick, thanks for being with us today, man, and it is uh, mock draft season. First, tell me, how was it for you doing your first mock draft? Did you try to do it differently? Did you have a different approach than you have done in past seasons? First of all, you know, the draft period is always a fun time. For me, I really get into this stuff, you know, seeing these college prospects. It's, I, I just geek out over it. So <laughs> it's a fun time. Uh, for this mock draft in particular, I really tried to do it around an emphasis of kind of projecting who I think the Raiders may target in free agency. Mm. That way it kind of caters more towards um, a realistic outcome come draft. Obviously, that's uh, easier said than done. But, uh, yeah, I definitely did that to the best of my capability there. Yeah, now coming off the last two seasons, the Raiders obviously had multiple first-round picks. They had five over the last two years. That's not the case this year. They have the one at number 17. So when you, as far as the tool used, did you use uh, what did you use to kind of make these picks uh, and to see how the board in this scenario would fall before you? <laughs> Yeah, so I used uh, Pro Football Network's Mock Draft Simulator. So you just go in, you select your team, and then there's there's a um, computer-generated uh, draft. So then you got your draft board when you're up. Guys have already been taken. And so I've kinda, I kind of did a little bit of best player available as well as targeting positions of need for the Raiders without – without um you know going overboard in in overreaching yeah uh so, okay so let's start this out so we go to round one pick number 17 clearly the raiders as we discussed on the show here yesterday defensive tackle defensive end safety uh linebacker i mean there's there's so many needs here uh, but you went a way that I love because uh, I just happen to be a big fan and I like his attitude. I like his ability. And at uh, at pick number 17, uh, the selection you had in your mock draft was Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa from Notre Dame, the linebacker, uh, and slash safety. He is that slash guy that you're seeing, that hybrid player you're seeing a lot more in the NFL. You know, I've had some people say, well, he's much more of a safety than he is a linebacker. That's not necessarily true, is it? For me, I kind of lean that way, actually, um, because I look at it as now I do think he is like this year's Isaiah Simmons, right? Mm. He can play linebacker. He can be using the slot here and there. Uh, He can play safety, but he only weighs 215 pounds. There really isn't a whole lot 
of linebackers in the NFL that are, you know, that thin. So I think most teams probably will view him as a safety, but I don't think he's necessarily stuck there. And if you look at, especially for the Raiders, this is why I love, I love the fit here is Gus Bradley is not afraid to drop his safeties into that linebacker type role is exactly how uh, he used Derwin James. And I know there's been a lot of talk of even maybe using Jonathan Abram that way, but Jeremiah Awuza Kimura, he as well can can do that. And if you want to use Jonathan Abram in that role, then you drop back JOK and he can play that free safety role. So he, he can play both safety positions, and that's what that's why I think it makes this pick so intriguing, is you're not locked into one specific role. Yeah, no, and 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 the, the the thing about JOK is that he has that ability too. Like you said, he can come up and play the line a lot, like Jamal Adams does, uh, and rush the football up the middle too. To me, and that's a big key there, uh, playing safety, that hybrid position, safety linebacker, whatever you want to call it. Um, and so, so I like the pick. I know a lot of people uh, clearly the Raiders need to get better up front on the uh, the defensive tackle, but the way depending how the draft falls, and clearly in yours, uh, he was the best player available and fits that need all right we go to round number two and the Raiders have pick number 48 and I've been saying Nick again I've been saying for weeks that I have concern about the Raiders offensive line not only because we don't know of the decision yet around right tackle Trent Brown and whether they're going to bring him back whether they're going to try to re-sign him to a a cap friendly deal and bring him back or if they're going to let him go or try to trade him whatever they may end up doing was not a good year for Trent Brown because he couldn't stay on the field for various reasons. Some perhaps his fault, some not his fault. Um, and so when you look at the Raiders, I've been saying that, hey, I wouldn't be surprised if they go offensive tackle hop high in the draft. At pick number 48, you have them taking, a, a, quote unquote, a small school, although North Dakota State has been so good uh, in their division for so long that I don't know if I consider them a small program anymore. But you have Dylan Radens from, from uh, North Dakota State. Talk about why this guy at tackle in the second round might be a good choice for the silver and black in 2021. Yeah, I really think that the Raiders offensive tackle is really, it's a need that not enough people are really talking about because Mm. I'll be honest, I even considered mocking uh, Christian Derrissaw to the Raiders in the first round. I think this is a position that they really need to sure up. We still don't know if Trent Brown is coming back. If he comes back, you can still draft a tackle in the second round. Maybe he's your swing tackle in his rookie season, and then he, you know, switches into that starting role. Because Colton Miller is gonna—he's—he's he's entering his fourth year. So next offseason, that's when you're gonna start talking about extensions. Mm-hmm. And while you think you paid a lot for Trent Brown, Colton Miller is gonna get the same type of money. You know, he—he's been spectacular, and he plays all—he plays all the time. I think this was the first time he's even missed a game this season. So I, I, I don't think you can get trapped into paying two tackles because they're just a premium to pay on the free agent market. So I think the way is to develop and draft a tackle. And I think Dylan Radnitz from North Dakota State is a great option. He's had a lot of first-round buzz. And then <clears throat> at North Dakota State, their conference canceled the fall season. So mm-hmm. he really wasn't able to play – kind of similar to you know his teammate Trey Lance, where both of them are kind of falling down draft boards. It's not exactly their fault. Um, now, he did go to the Senior Bowl and answered a lot of questions because going from North Dakota State, while they're a powerhouse in the, in the FCS, they, they still are. You know, they're, they're not exactly the power five. So he played yeah. against a bunch of guys who were in the SEC, in the ACC, and he really held his own in the Senior Bowl. I was watching a a bunch of the tape from uh, his outing there, and I thought he, he did every bit to help himself. I, I really didn't see any issues. Yeah, no, there was great buzz uh, from from the Senior Bowl about his play down there and how he held up, especially after missing the whole season. But that's what we're going to see with a lot of these players, right? This is where you might end up, if your scouting department is really good, you might end up with some really good first-round talent uh, in the second and third round just because some of these guys didn't play and you don't have fresh tape on them. Again, we're talking to Nick Cothrell. He is a staff writer with us at silverandblacktoday.com. We're doing his 
seven round mock draft. We're up to round three, pick number 80. You finally address some up front on the defense. And this one's an interesting one. Edge uh, Quincy Roach out of Miami. Talk about Roach because he transferred and then, of course, COVID hits, right? And he doesn't really get a lot of time on the field. Uh, but he also did pretty well at uh, the Senior Bowl. What is it about, about Quincy Roach that you think would be a good fit for the Raiders on the other edge? Yeah, you know, I'm really high on Quincy Rocher. I think he is Rocher, thank you. Than... Thank you for the pronunciation correction. I appreciate that. No <laughs> <laughs> I think he is better than like even even a third round pick. I mean, I I would consider taking him in the second round. Um, I was kind of reading the board and there was still a lot of um, players ahead of him, so I, I would I was willing to wait until the third round to, to mock him there. But I think he, he brings high energy, big motor, and he's not one or the other. He has speed and power, and I think that, that is something that the Raiders really need uh, on the edge because Farrell is more of your you know power guy. Mm-hmm. Max Crosby is that high motor, a lot of energy. And I, I think Quincy Roche, you know, he, he – he has multiple ways that he can beat tackles and he's done it at two different levels. He did it in the American conference at temple and then he he did it in the ACC with Miami. So he's shown you in two different conferences. He, he really dominated in both instances. So I, I really don't see an issue taking uh, Quincy Roche in the third round here. Yeah, from him going from the American Conference to the ACC and and not skipping a beat, I think tells you that this guy has that talent. And uh, under nine sacks per season in the final two years of, of, of school, I mean, just a great one. So a guy that, that definitely you want to watch out. Now, another need people don't really talk about all that much, although we've talked a lot about it on this show, is the fact that uh, um, the Raiders also need that spell running back for Josh Jacobs. Uh, you have them going uh, fourth round for a, a running back, which I think is is pretty good. Uh, at pick number 121, you have running back Chubba Hubbard out of Oklahoma State. What is it about Hubbard that uh, you think would be a good fit for him in the Raiders offense, in John Gruden's offense, behind Josh Jacobs, the starter? Yeah, I know you guys have talked a lot on the show here about uh, drafting a running back and getting somebody that can, you know, complement Josh Jacobs. And I think Chubba Hubbard is that guy. He was sensational in 2019, rushed for over 2,000 yards. I mean, the guy was just a machine. He was literally putting the team on his back and take him to the promised land. And <laughs> in 2020, his role kind of tailored off a little. I don't know if it was exactly – you know, he just wasn't getting quite the opportunities. COVID, uh, they didn't play nearly as many games. But I still like Chubba Hubbard. I think the only reason he's still available in, you know, the third, fourth, fifth round is because he's not he's not much of a pass catcher. But that's not that's not really what the Raiders even need because they have Josh Jacobs who can do both. They still have Jalen Richard, not sure what his future is. But Chubba Hubbard can be that guy for the Raiders who runs with a lot of physicality and power on short yardage situations. And if Josh Jacob needs to take a full series off, you know, he's shown he can carry the workload as he did uh, for Oklahoma state. Yeah. Um, yeah, good stuff. Nick Cothrell from silverandblacktoday.com is going with us through his seven-round uh, mock draft for 2021, our first up on the site, our first here on the show. Going to the fifth round, Nick, here's another one. You know, people don't look at the fact that the Raiders are going to have to probably replace some wide receivers. We talked about it earlier, the fact that uh, uh, it doesn't look like, at least from what we've been told, that Nelson Aguilar will be back because of cost. Uh, at round five, pick 163, you have a guy here that's a really interesting thing. I think a developer developmental project, but has really come on late in his college career, and that is uh, Cornell uh, Powell out of Clemson. Clemson, you know, his first couple years, he didn't catch more than 15 passes over three years, actually. But then this past year, 53 receptions for 882 yards, seven touchdowns. Of course, uh, playing with Trevor Lawrence, he is one of those Clemson guys, and we all know what Mayock and Gruden uh, do with Clemson guys that like to bring him in there. Uh, But what is it about this guy that you see? I mean, clearly would be a developmental developmental guy but the thing that's good about him i believe nick is that he can fit in any system and he could play pretty much any role you need him to yeah i think that's huge because yeah hunter renfro he has the slot position locked down i I think he's tremendous but you know there's going to come a time where maybe you want to 
you know, have Hunter on a jet sweep, so to speak, mm -hmm. or you, and you put Cornell Powell in the slot, they, they, they can use a guy behind Hunter for depth purposes for that slot role. I, I really don't think this team has that. And then on top of that, Cornell Powell can, you know, also work on the outside. Now, like you were saying that the odds are the Raiders are probably going to lose Nelson Aguilar. And I think you just draft a receiver. You just drafted Henry Ruggs in the first round, Brian Edwards in the third round, who had a second round grade by many people. See what they got. Let, let them let them earn their spot. And, you know, let's see, let's see what they can do as, as two starters. Maybe you dra draft a veteran wide receiver on like a cheap – you know, one-year deal, kind of like what they did with Nelson Aguilar last offseason to mm -hmm. kind of, you know, help elevate that room. But I certainly wouldn't spend a surplus of money um, in free agency. And uh, back to Cornell Powell, I, I just think he's very fundamentally sound. And, you know, he averaged over 16 yards per reception this last season. So he shows he has that big playability. And I, I think that's something that the Raiders could use with uh, Nelson Aguilar potentially walking out. Yeah, day three option there would be would be fantastic because you're right. I think they that's what they need to do is they need to go find a, a veteran uh, that could be in there, be a steadying force with that young group of guys there uh, and give you the receptions you need. But at the same time, when you have Darren Waller, who's basically your number one receiver anyway, uh, I think you could do that and you can go develop young players. That's going to help with the salary cap significantly. Yeah. Uh, the other position too, Nick, and you address it in round six at pick 204, is one that I also get concerned with just because I don't think you can ever be too deep and it takes time to develop, and that is at cornerback. You have the Raiders at pick 204 taking cornerback Cameron Bynum out of California. He also played in the Senior Bowl. What is it about this cornerback that you think fits nicely with the Trayvon Mullins, Damon Arnett, uh, and, and that defensive backfield that's already young for the Raiders? Yeah, so now in like the the sixth, seventh round, you're kind of getting into – your, your depth guys. And so Cameron Bynum, he's a guy that really interests me because he's played right away since he was a true freshman. And when I was watching uh, some of his clips, he seems very physical. And that's exactly mm. what the Raiders got when they drafted Damon Arnett and even Trayvon Mullen a year prior. And so I think he fits the Raiders mold of what they look for in a, in a quarterback. Uh, I don't think he's a guy that you're just going to, you know, plug and play could even be a, a situation where he's like an Amik Robertson, where he was only called upon in certain situations when they were kind of in a dire need, uh, at least for his rookie year. Now, if you look at like the Tampa Bay Bucks, who just won the Super Bowl, almost every corner on their team, they drafted. So I think that's something that maybe maybe you look towards because, you, like you said, Scott, you can never have enough corners. And Cameron Bynum is a guy who is going late, but he's shown flashes of what he can really do as he, he was a big part of that Cal defense. Yeah, and, and when, like you said, when you get into these later rounds, six and seven, uh, these are guys that are going to be developmental guys or, like you said, depth guys. They're going to be role-playing guys uh, that you hope you can develop because they don't cost you a ton of money anyway. So next, uh, at, at pick uh, 246, so the final pick, round seven of our first mock draft here with Silver and Black today's staff writer, Nick Cothrell, we get to a defensive tackle, Jordan Scott of Oregon. This guy's interesting to me, Nick, that you had him uh, as a Selection late in the round, not a lot of risk here, but he kind of aligned uh, and played at nose tackle in a zero technique for Oregon there. So this might be the kind of guy you bring in and hope that he can uh, to make the team as a sub package rusher. He's used to that four three scheme. Uh, he could be one of those rushers in a sub package situation. What did you like about him? Why'd you pick him? Uh, pick him there in the seventh round? Yeah. So at this point. I I'm, I'm assuming that the Raiders are going to go out in free agency and, and sign a defensive tackle. Mm -hmm. uh, it's it's one of their biggest needs. Most, I mean, it, it's apparent they they've drafted defensive tackles in the past, and none of them. While Maurice Hurst has shown a lot of promise, none of them have really you know really hit it out of the park for them. So I think that's a position that should be number one on their radar for free agency. So I didn't take a defensive tackle early here. So. Jordan Scott, he's that run-stuffing defensive tackle. Not going to give you a whole lot of uh, production in terms of rushing the passer, but he kind of fulfills that Jonathan Hankins role where he's just mm. clogging the holes, and um, he's really just a burden on the opposing team's running game. And so he, he was a guy late, late in the draft that was still available that I thought was a good value pick given what his skill set 
uh, could provide the Raiders defensive front. Yeah, no, I agree with that 100%. And and Nick, that's the thing. I mean, to just put a bow here on this first mock draft, and of course, we'll do several others as things unfold. Uh, I mean, if, you know, news happens every day. We saw some dominoes fall today, obviously, with the Wentz news and some of these other things going on. But the Raiders, when they start getting active in free agency, you know, if, if, if you said, and I, I'm, I'm under the same assumption you are, my man, which is if they go out and they, they are active on the defensive line in free agency and maybe at safety, then the picks that you have here in this uh, this first mock draft up on silverandblacktoday.com make a lot of sense. Uh, but it'll be interesting. It's going to be uh, – I just look at it from this way, and, and you touch on this in your piece that everybody should read, which is um, you know, there's a lot of needs here for the Raiders. Some of them are kind of under the radar, like we talked about with offensive tackle and wide receiver. So, so it's not just a simple uh, prospect, Nick, of going out and drafting to fix the defense, is it? No, it's not. Um, but like you, like you had mentioned, I mean, like wide receiver that that you you're losing a lot of production from Nelson Aguilar. I mean, while Darren Waller was the number one option, Nelson Aguilar was your deep threat. It, it wasn't Henry Ruggs, so you're losing a lot there. So you're you're hoping that Henry Ruggs and like a Brian Edwards can step up, but at the same time, you're still going to need to add um, a wide receiver. I mean, j- just because the defense was pretty bad last year doesn't mean you can ignore the offense because down the the stretch of the back half of the season the offense was at fault at times too yeah no, absolutely. Yeah, that's and we're actually going to talk about that next hour. Uh, that that there's a lot of people giving the 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 offense a pass, especially when they kind of folded down the end of it. So uh, that's uh, good stuff. But Nick, we we look forward to reading your next mock draft when we get ready to do that. But in the meantime, make sure you follow Nick on Twitter at Nick Cothrell N I C K C O T H R E L. We will link him up as we always do from Silver and Black today when we publish his story. Nick, thanks for joining us here today, man. We'll talk to you real soon. Great to talk to you, Scott. All right. As we move forward, we're going to take your phone calls when we come back. Tell us what you think of Nick's first mock draft on silverandblacktoday.com. You're with Scott and Evan here on Silver and Black Today, only on Raider Nation Radio. If you believe Tom Brady did fumble and that Franco Harris didn't catch that pass and call it the immaculate deception, then you found the right place. This is Silver and Black Today on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Welcome back. Silver and Black today as we approach the end of our number one. Just went over our first mock draft. Uh, thanks to Nick Cothrell, our staff writer up on silverandblacktoday.com. We're going to go right to some calls here so we can get them in before the break. It is Steve. Steve, you're on with Evan and Scott. What did you think of the mock draft? What would you do? Um, depending on what we do on free agency, um, I do like that mock draft, but we definitely have to get uh, a defensive tackle and a free safety. And here's a name that, I mean, I know people uh, was mentioning him during the season, but I haven't heard much in the offseason. I would grab Earl Thomas. He's familiar with Gus, uh, Gus Bradley's system. Him and Richard Sermon, they should come off cheap deals because um, they're at the back end of their career. Um, but we definitely, in defensive tackle, I, I would get the stud. I would try to get the best defensive tackle available through free agency. Because um, we have to stop with the bargain shopping and free agency on defense. Uh, that's what we've been doing the last three years. Yeah, what's good is it spending all this money on five guys and we're not difference makers. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I don't disagree with you. I, I, I'm just concerned with the, the money involved because, you know, as as you might have heard earlier in the show, we went over the Raiders salary cap situation. And I think you're right. I think they can go get – they can probably afford to, in free agency, go get one – big name, one stud to come in there, but then you're going to have to fill the rest of those roles, I think, with second-tier guys or do it through the draft. Right, right. I mean, yeah. here's the thing, especially we got young we got young players in the secondary, and a lot of them are first- and second-year players going to next year, so they have to learn a whole other system. That's why you definitely need to get some veterans in that, that secondary, though, um, preferably veterans that's familiar with the system to yeah. teach the young guys. Yeah. All right, Steve. I agree with you 100%, man. I've been saying the same exact thing. We appreciate your call. Don't be a stranger. Call back in again. All right. We're going out to another caller on the Raider Nation radio listener hotline. That is Brother Marquis. Brother Marquis, you're on with Scott and Evan. What's going on, my man? Hey, Scott. How you doing, brother? I'm doing good, man. It's good to hear from you. Likewise, likewise, man. I 
I just uh, I wanted to. You touched on a point, and I and and I've been having this argument with multiple of my friends, um, and the point about the offense not ignoring the offense. And mm-hmm. I definitely I agree with you 100. percent I'm of the of the of opinion that I think the team the defense is going to incrementally get better just by the scheme change in in health on that side of the ball. And uh, and so yes, we may need to bring in some guys, obviously, but. You know, don't don't lose track of the offense because I think the team is even better if you let's say you incrementally go up to twentieth, twenty second on defense. If you have a top three offense, if you're special on one side of the ball, then it gives you so much room for error on the other side. I'd rather be special on one side of the ball than mediocre on both. Yeah, no, you're right because I and I agree. That's why I think now the Raiders' defense was bad this year, but I, I call it football purgatory. When you're eight and eight or nine and seven or seven and nine, that that's what it is. Is you might have an offense that's really good, uh, not not top five, but like the Raiders' top ten, and then you got a bad defense. It just you you get nowhere. So I agree with you on offense, and and that's something we're going to talk about next hour to kick it off because you know as Nick said in his mock draft, he had Dylan Radins from North. Uh, Dakota State at offensive tackle. You know, everybody talks about how great the offensive line is for the Raiders, and don't get me wrong, they have been very good. Even last year when they were banged up and they were putting guys like Denzel Good, who, by the way, is a free agent, um, in there. But you can't you can't take an approach where it's like, well, the defense is so bad, we have to do everything on defense and, and nothing on offense, because it's the NFL, man. You have to constantly retool, get better, find replacements, find depth to be able to do that. So if you want to stay at top 10 offense and then you want to get that defense up to 20 19 18 something like that where you're a legitimate playoff team you have to address both sides of the ball i could not agree more absolutely and if you if you were to i mean even look at this season if our offense was just better than it was this year then we would have won a couple more games you'd be a playoff team regardless of how bad the defense was if the offense was better in the red zone down the stretch we're Mm. better where's it we're a playoff team Yes, that, that is the perfect segue for our next segment after the break. Brother Marquis, thanks, man. Don't be a stranger. We'll talk to you real soon, buddy. Sounds good. Thank you for having me. All right. Uh, yeah, Evan, I mean, we're, ta- we're going to talk about it in the next segment, but you, you can't you, – be, because your defense was, quote-unquote, so bad, you can't just say, okay, well, we're not going to touch the offense. Yeah, that was a great call there by Brother Marquis, and and <clears throat> you've touched on this before. I mean, yes, we all know the the big problem with this team the, is the defense. There's no denying that, but down the stretch, the offense shows some flaws, and there's things that they need to improve on as well. And you know, at the top of the show, we talked about if they are going to free up some money, they may need to do do so by getting rid of a Trent Brown and possibly a Richie Incognito. So that offensive line that was a strength for you a year ago now may not be a strength this year, and you got to find people to go in there and replace those guys that you're getting rid of. So yeah, it's 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 like it's so much. It's like a juggling act, and uh, <laughs> you know, it's going to be very very difficult uh, for Mike Mayock and John Gruden to uh, you know even it out on both sides to make both sides of the ball competitive. You're right. All right. We're at the top of the hour. We're going to take a break. When we come back, that's exactly what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the Raiders offense and what they need to do. And no, it doesn't start with quarterback. I know for some of you, it it begins and ends every day. You thinking about quarterback on the Raiders and Derek Carr not being with the Raiders, but that's not going to happen. So what else do the Raiders need to do on offense? What did we see towards the end of the year that gave Raider Nation a ton of concerns? We'll talk about that next here with Evan and Scott on Silver and Black today, only on Raider Nation Radio.